And this story I actually saw a couple of weeks ago, but it's a growing trend. And then it tied in with another story I saw today. Um, and the initial trigger story was that Governor Gavin Newsom has just uh, recently signed legislation uh, called the Freedom to Walk Act. Now, Bill, you live in California. Have you heard of the Freedom to Walk Act? No, I was I was riding in the in the Black Maria on the way to the re-education camp because I went out to you know pull the garbage cans back in from the recycle thing from the street. But I heard it. The other inmates were talking about it. So this this is going to change your life, man. And you're going to be oh boy, you're going to be surprised okay. that this happened in California. But in any case, uh, the Freedom to Walk Act. Um, it's not the first in the nation. Um, actually, uh, in 2021, uh, Virginia. The state of Virginia, the state of Nevada, and Kansas City, Missouri all did virtually the same thing. And that is they legalized jaywalking. Really? You're allowed to cross the street against the light, as they say. You know, it's funny. Truthfully, now, I have seen more of that in the last couple of days. No joke. I have actually yep. remarked on a couple of times. That's kind of weird. And so I thought this is interesting for California, which is renowned for its efforts, as you, you know, sardonically noted, to to clamp down on people's freedom um, and ability to go do what they want when they want. And, uh, and, and nevertheless, they have basically said, hey, um, you're on your own when you're crossing an intersection. We trust you. Um, you know, look both ways. Be safe. Um, now, there, there are exceptions. The, the, the one exception basically is if you cross the street in the face of an immediate hazard, a police officer can still write you a ticket. Like if you jump out in front of a car, basically, um, the police officer can write you a ticket. But I thought this is interesting from a couple of perspectives. One, it's happening in California, in addition to Virginia, Nevada, and Kansas City, Missouri, um, in a place where we would expect them to be more of a nanny state. Are we as conservatives who believe in the rule of law and kind of a properly run society where people, you know, wait for the light to change before they cross? Are we in favor of saying, hey, use your best judgment? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I shouldn't have to walk 400 yards in one direction to cross a street where there are no cars. And and I I completely agree about the rule of law. Obviously, I believe in, a, in an orderly and lawful uh, society, but I'm not one of those guys who's going to be at a four-way intersection at four o'clock in the morning at a red light and have no cars visible in any direction whatsoever and sit there and wait for the light to turn green. I'm just not that guy. There's a famous, famous story about, about um, happened in Germany. Those are very authoritarian, uh, respecting people, right? And there was a train that arrived from some station to some other station in Germany. And the guy who was responsible for collecting the tickets when you got off the train was either in an accident or was sick. He wasn't on the job. And the passengers on that train remained in that station for two and a half hours until an official could come and take their tickets officially. And then they could, then they could, you know, leave and, 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 and not have to suffer, you know, anxiety attacks. So it's like everything else. There's a sweet spot in there, right? You, you, you should be able to use common sense when it's when it's this kind of thing. Now, if you ask why it's happening, I have to admit that's a mystery. And my first thought was 
the only thing I can think of seriously now is that it might have been the result of lobbying on the part of um, of accident uh, attorneys, of which there are quite a few. <laughs> quite well, a few. actually, the only every, thing every that I saw. Every park bench has their photos on them. The only thing I saw in the story that indicated what may have been the impetus for, for this law was the suggestion that, uh, for example, in Los Angeles, the uh, jaywalking laws, of course, are like any other law subject to the discretion of a police officer. So there are things that happen all the time that you could be stopped for that they that they let go. It's like, you know, during a football game and not every hold gets called. Not every hold the ref sees gets called. <laughs> um, so in this case, there uh, they said in Los Angeles, it was uh, black people were three times. It was like disproportionately by a factor of three beyond their, their numbers in the population being busted for jaywalking. Um, so it was, it was inequitable enforcement of existing law. And I, and I could see how that could happen for a variety of reasons. And you don't have to assume racism to, to get there. But um, nevertheless, that's a big step to take to basically say, okay, um, yeah, we're just going to let we're just going to let everybody cross the street when they want to. Now, I will say for yeah. those of you who live outside of Los Angeles, it's hard to fathom if the only cities you've ever seen are places like New York. Uh, New York uh, jaywalking is a career for some people. It's a sport. It's a, <laughs> and uh, and there's a lot of pedestrian traffic in New York. My understanding in Los Angeles is because it's a much more sprawling, spread out city that there's just simply not as much pedestrian activity. Yeah, this this law only affects 14 people That's in LA County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody walks in LA. Nobody walks in LA. Yeah. But but I give you an idea that Kansas just, City, Missouri, just, just a, missing persons got a song out of that 35 years ago. Just because there's some danger of people emerging from this story uh, thinking a little bit more positively of California. Let me just let me just tell you one example that's near and dear to my heart, okay? There's a place it turns out it's very close to where I live now. Uh and it, and it's just a a guy with a with a Decent sized yard. It's not a major yard. It's not a big deal. It's not a ranch. It's just a corner lot in a in a suburban neighborhood. And he had a big tree and he built a really nice tree house out there. And so for 18 years, he ran a Halloween thing called Boney Island. And he did it up. Not only did he have all the displays and everywhere, he had contests, he had raffles, he had a haunted house. You could pay like, I don't know, it was like a dollar or something. You had to go up to the treehouse. It was an event. And I drove to Boney Island when I was living 30 miles away in back on the other side of the hill back in the day. And it was absolutely one of the best times I ever had. Great. So Natasha and I move into this neighborhood and I go, oh my God, that's it's the house that has Boney Island, honey. Wait till wait till Halloween comes along, and so Halloween comes along. Our first year here, and we go heading down to see Boney Island, and there's nothing there except a sign outside the front that says, uh, "Dear friends." Uh, for the last 18 years, it has been our absolute pride and joy to present Boney Island. It's been a source of great enjoyment for us as well as for the people who have come here. However, this year, we were told by the city of Los Angeles that in order to operate Boney Island, we had to pay a $60,000 fee to the city of Los Angeles in order to allow this public event to uh, to occur. We can't afford a $60,000 fee to allow this to occur. So unfortunately, we've had to, we've had to basically cancel Boney Island. Yeah. And and there you go, right? There you go. But the good news is um, to get to that sign, you could cross against the light now starting January 1st if you want to read that yeah, sign. Hooray. But, but this idea of letting people use judgment is just 
amazing, even if that wasn't the intention, because I'm, I'm picturing different city streets and I, I'm i picturing American streets. I'm not talking about tiny little European streets where traffic and people have been commingling uh, for as long as there have been traffic and, and, and people. They've just got the streets to, were there before the cars were. Yeah, yeah, they've just got to do it that way because that's how their cities are laid out. Um, Los Angeles is is nothing like that. But if I'm on crutches or am I or I'm in a wheelchair, I'm going to wait for that crossing signal to light up that it's safe for me to go across because it's going to take me a little longer and I'm going to be uh, uh, less agile if something bad happens, like a car runs a red light or something like that. Um, on the other hand, if I'm young and fit, or in my case, not so young and somewhat fit, uh, I, I might look both ways and take my chances and dash across because, you know, LA's got some fairly wide streets. Um on the other hand, uh, I, got, I had to laugh at this. This is this is a tangent, but it's beautiful. I was at uh, Ars Technica earlier today, which is a, a tech website that's so, so perfectly progressive on all things that a lot of their headlines make me laugh. Um, but I have to go there every day because Eric Berger is their space editor, and he is the best guy writing about space stuff today. Uh, he's there's, I don't even know who number two would be to him. Uh, so I go to there every day and see if Eric Berger's filed a new space story. And I ran across one of these headlines where it must have pained the people at ours to have to write this headline and to publish this story. But uh, what, what electric vehicles are what now? Three, four percent, maybe five percent of the vehicles on the road. And I think it's I think it's 10 percent in uh, in California now. But get get a load of this headline. American EVs reduced gasoline consumption in 2021 by 0.54%. It's working. So Do you know how much that that god awful 55 mile an hour speed limit that Carter put in place? That was Nixon. That was in place. That, that was, was in place. Oh, Nixon, you're right. I beg your pardon. That that was unfair to Carter. You're absolutely right. It was Nixon. That was in place for 15 years, pretty much. You know, and you have to drive the Florida Turnpike, which is straight as an arrow, flat as a board for 20 miles. It cranks 10 degrees to the right. There's another straight as an arrow. So you had to drive 55 across this country in order to save gas because of the Arab oil embargo. When it was all said and done, they estimated that the total savings were somewhere between 1% and 2%. 1% and 2% of the total energy expenditure of the country. And and people are crawling along this continent, losing their minds. I tell Ugh, you, it was bad. On the Florida Turnpike, 55 miles an hour feels like the kind of speed that you could walk up to the car and and just knock on somebody's door. Yeah. You know, it's insane. So the natural question that follows from they've legalized jaywalking, um, that's only one uh, one of the teams in this sport about crossing the street. The other team is the team driving the cars. And so, uh, as Steve already pointed out, some people could run a red light. Well, that's illegal. So what if they made that uh, legal? You could use your own judgment and just uh, <laughs> go against the light. Oh, and we but laugh. I have done that. We laugh. But the other element of my story here is the growth of what you might call roundabouts or traffic circles in this country. There's this one crazy guy, and I should have captured his name, but uh, I read this story today about this guy who has been tracking and has a website where you can report and send pictures in of these traffic circles, roundabouts. And there's one other word for it that I can't think of the name of. 
They're all different. They're not exactly the same. Accident machine. <laughs> no. <laughs> actually, these They're safer, these they? traffic circles they, they have are, reduced yeah. fatalities at intersections by like 90% and uh and injury at intersections by about 70-75%. They have grown from about 20-25 years ago we had maybe 600 of them in the whole country. At last count there were more than 9,000 of them. And I thought this is fascinating because in essence, if you've never been through one of these things, it is generally, you don't even have to stop a lot of the time. Uh, Except there's stop. a learning curve involved. Yes. And when we started building yeah. these things in Colorado, people did not know what to do. Once you're in the circle, you have the right of way. End of story. Yes. If you are entering the circle, you have to yield. But a couple of reasons why they're great. The reason why fatalities and, and, and accidents are less severe is what 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 kills isn't the speed it's 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 the total of speed that's exactly right it's it and in a traffic circle everybody's moving the same direction exactly at about the same right. speed and you no can't head blow through that no intersection at 90 miles an hour no it, you can't exactly the other thing is what really snarls up traffic is what i call the accordion effect and all right the cars too. have to come together at the light the light turns green now they have to spread absolutely back out. right and this accordion effect takes time. It wastes gas. I don't like the gas is, you know, still too expensive. I don't I don't like wasting it at, at stoplights. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of traffic circles. I was not a big fan of the one they put in front of the Sam's Club where I do my, my domestic shopping every couple of weeks, because uh, when we first got it in there, uh, the people trying to turn right in the Sam's did not recognize that me trying to make the, the, the right into Sam's from the inside of the circle had the right away. And I can't tell you how many times I almost got T-boned. That's that where it gets year. a little dicey. Is, yeah, and there's is when no, you have two lanes. Like the etiquette isn't obvious, and you're, you're right. Until I read this story, but once you learn it, I actually didn't know what you just said. I didn't know until I read this story that once you're in the circle, you have the right of way, and so it was always a little dicey. And the other thing is your GPS gets a little wonky as you go through a traffic circle because it'll say like take the next right and you're like this right or the next right <laughs> and it's hard yeah. to figure out because it's it's not that precise sometimes and you're like okay do I turn here or do I turn the next one <laughs> and um, I always terrify my wife when we get into one of those and I'm driving because she's like is he gonna make it through or are we all gonna die <laughs> You mentioned discretion on the red lights, though, and I, I have a perfect example of that. Um, my oldest turns 17 next month, so this story is almost exactly 17 years old. Uh, my wife was was pregnant with our first. She was uh, two days late, or I should say my son was two days late. And when a woman nine months pregnant has uh, uh, missed her, her due date by 48 hours, she is now 48 months pregnant. That's just the way the math adds up. <laughs> um, don't argue with it. Just bring her whatever she wants and, and hope that baby starts coming out soon. So the night before my oldest was born, Melissa's doing everything she can to, in, to induce labor. She's taking a hot bath. She's drinking this horrible concoction of stuff that's supposed to get get everything moving. She's eating spicy, just, just everything she can do. Well, I wake up at about uh, two 30 in the morning, three in the morning, something like that. And I, cause I noticed Melissa's not in, in bed and that bothers me. Right. And I hear her, she's, she's in the bathroom. She's taking a hot shower, uh, sitting on a chair. She dragged into the shower backwards with the water beating on her back. She's hurting so much. And I ask her what's wrong. She says, I'm having stomach aches. I pause for a moment. I'm waking up. I said, well, how far apart are your stomach aches? 
<laughs> she says a couple of minutes. I said, put clothes on, grab your bag. We're out of here. And we're heading down Academy Boulevard, a big, big, big street in Colorado Springs to the hospital where uh, she's supposed to deliver. And, you know, it's it's four in the morning at this point, whatever ungodly hour it was. And we're hitting every light red. And all I'm doing is I'm approaching these lights, looking both ways and then zooming right through. And as it Did turns you? out, my discretion saved the day because the nurse told us that if we'd have gotten there just a couple of minutes later, Melissa would have passed her zone for uh, being able to get the epidural. And then she would have had to given birth with no epidural. And I don't think she would have let me live through that. Yeah, she'd be talking about that today. Um, th yeah. This is, it, this is one, it seems like such a small topic, but really I think it leads to a bigger thing about many areas of our lives. Um, it reminded me of a story I read about, um, I think this was also in the Wall Street Journal years ago, uh, that there were some towns in Germany that were experimenting with un, um, uncontrolled intersections. So basically, when you pull up to an intersection, it's a, it's a T intersection like the normal intersection, but you're responsible for getting through that intersection safely. We're not going to tell you when to stop or slow down or go or anything like that. It's up to you to look around and see if it's safe to pass through that intersection. And so that gives you a whole new mindset. Instead of being kind of like you're almost a remote control device uh, when you have lights that are going on and off, uh, now you're in control of the game. And so you have to make sure that you don't run into the other players in the game. And all of this, I think, is a is a fascinating experiment in human nature. All of these controls were built up for good reasons. Somebody got injured. Somebody ran into somebody. Somebody crossed and got hit by a car. Two cars collided at an intersection or whatever. All these things were made for good reasons. And then you got to look in afterward and go, wait a minute, do we still need that? Is it really the lights that are making intersections safer? Well, as it turns out, if you completely eliminate the lights and turn it into a circle, deaths and injuries drop. Um, is it possible there are other things in our lives that we do right now in a controlled manner and frankly, a government controlled manner that could be done better and more safely and more fun without Maybe. I know we should wrap it here, but I was in Thailand and uh, in uh, 10 years ago, and not only did I not see a single traffic light in the entire city of Pattaya, I didn't see a single traffic sign in the entire city of Pattaya. Every intersection is simply go where you're going and don't hit anybody. That's it. That's all there is. And if you're on this for the first time, if you're on like a moped or something, it is like a scooter stress pill. Like, oh my God, what? You know, just, just don't hit anybody. And I think that probably works when you've got traffic that consists of, you know, scooters and mopeds and tuk-tuks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when, but when you get into, you know, big honking pieces of American steel, like I drive, that's not something I would much want to do. I remember as a limo driver, I had to maneuver through LAX almost always in a Lincoln Town car, but occasionally in a stretch limo. And that's not a lot of fun at all. Yeah. 